All right, Garen Amig of the Tulsa World, along with Kelly Hines. How about this? This is cool. A pleasant transition into a new era of beat coverage with Ms. Hines on the prowl, looking for, <laughs> looking for stories, staking out Mike Gundy's ranch. And do, doing all do, those things. That's how do you know where his ranch is yet, Kelly? Have you figured no. out where Mike lives? No, no, I haven't. But I feel like that's that's going to come up at some point. It's it's great to be back on the beat. It's been um, a few weeks now trying to get caught up to speed, but it's been a good time. Yeah, Kelly is uh, on board. Eli Letterman has uh, shifted duties over to Norman, helping Eric Bailey with the Sooners. Kelly is uh, back in Stillwater, actually moving. From, she's going to and from Tulsa, Stillwater, making that, making herself familiar, refamiliarizing herself with that drive, which I'm sure she'll enjoy. I haven't um, gotten a ticket yet, so things are you, going. Oh, well. there you go. What's the over under on tickets for Kelly Hines by the end of 2022? I would set it at one, um, <laughs> maybe one and a half. I don't know. We'll see. Manford is it, Manford and Yale. If I if I take that route, that's where they are going to get you. Is that what do you do? Do you get off the turnpike and go the old the old route? No. Based on where I live, um, which is just southwest of downtown Tulsa, right. it's it's pretty much equal to take the the route through Manford, Sand Springs, Manford. Um, Yale that that route than it is to take the turnpike so I usually go one way and come back the other just you know just to mix it up um, but I don't mind either drive except for the construction on the turnpike that's a little bit annoying but that's apparently always the case like yeah. you know, it's been eight years since I've really driven a lot to Stillwater and I'm like weren't yeah. they working on this then I'm yeah. sure it's not the same stretch but it kind of feels <laughs> like it is so I don't know, but the, I don't mind the drive. It's actually not that bad. Yeah. Well, Kelly is uh, kicked butt on the TU beat for a number of years. I'm sure she's going to do the same at Oklahoma State. She's already written some really cool stuff. Please check it out on TulsaWorld.com. Check out our weekly podcast or vid the video version on TulsaWorld.com. If you want to just listen uh, in the classic pod sense, you can download and, uh, and subscribe on Google, Apple, and Spotify. This is really cool. Uh, Kelly, you and I get to talk a little bit about what you've uh, seen and heard, what you've learned your first four, six, four to six weeks uh, on the beat. Um, still fair to say that the tone is optimistic, right? Coming wow. off the Cowboys season and their big win over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Seems like Gundy has been in a pretty good mood. And um, even though they've lost Jim Knowles and brought in Derek Mason and have a transition there on defense, they don't seem too worried about that either. Yeah, no, I, I definitely felt like um, even though there were definite obstacles during the spring, you know, particularly with the offensive line depth, you know, that was a big issue um, throughout that. And that ultimately was why there wasn't a, a traditional spring game. Despite that, I felt like everybody was very excited and optimistic about this team's potential. And, you know, certainly when you look at the pieces on offense and defense, really. But, um, you know, I, I think that Derek Mason, I mean, that day that we got to meet him, he just kind of blew all of us away. I mean, right. you kind of knew about him, but, you know, to have him like look you in the eye and answer questions and just be so comfortable in, in that setting and just right. have really good things to say, really good vibe around him. And it seems like, the players really um, have enjoyed, you know, getting to know him and going through that process. And, you know, what really stuck out um, about him to me was when Mike Gundy said, you know, he's very low ego, low maintenance. And that's, I'm sure what you want in an assistant in, in a defensive mm -hmm. coordinator. So I was really impressed with him. Um, just, he just seems like the perfect fit 
um, you know, not just for, for the OSU side, but for him personally, it seems like it, it's a really good fit. Um, but, you know, just really, um, I think just good pieces on both sides that they have to feel really good about what they can build around those. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you if you saw uh, in Stillwater at the scrimmage or the, the, the event, I don't know if it was so much a scrimmage as an event, whatever they were calling it over there, uh, that you had a chance to cover for us. Um, any, any pieces stand out just in that, that two-hour block that you watched this past weekend? Yeah, I thought that, um, you know, CJ Tate was a guy I didn't really know anything about, you know, a receiver who's been in the program for several years, a, a walk-on who um, had some really good catches on Saturday. Um, Talon Shetron was a guy who, you know, I think those of us in Oklahoma knew some about, but, you know, right. for him to be a freshman out there making some really good catches, you know, I think it definitely um, showed that there are really good weapons at receiver that maybe we didn't know that much about, um, you know, going into the spring and obviously into the fall. So um, other than that, you know, it wasn't super revealing, but you definitely got a look at the backup quarterbacks. Um, you know, Gunnar Gundy, obviously someone we know some about, but he had some really good throws. He looked good. Um, and uh in honor of you, I only yeah, I just, did this. I did this in the bedroom because I knew that you do. It was just Bella would want to say hi to you. Hi, I have a kitten around here somewhere, but I don't know where she went. She was making, <laughs> she was acting like she was going to make an appearance and then took off. But um, the other, you know, uh, the freshman quarterback uh, Garrett Rangel, he looked good too. So obviously, that's you know, people love to talk about backup quarterbacks, and and you know, given that. Other than Spencer Sanders, nobody really has any experience and they can't really afford for anything right. to happen to him. That's a big concern. But also, you know, moving forward, um, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do at that position. I know they have a, a class of 2023 20, quarterback committed um, as of a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, I feel like uh, just seeing those guys in that setting, it's a little bit different from like, you know, a traditional practice. Um, there, there were, you know, maybe 8,000 people there and it was, it was a different setting for them to sort of showcase what they could do. And I thought they both had some really good throws. So um, most of the, you know, takeaways from that were on the offensive side. You know, I felt like the defense was very conservative and, you know, they, they were very careful, uh, you know, trying to avoid injuries. um, Although some do happen and did happen, but um, you know, I I felt like, uh, you know, just given everything that's back on the defensive side, you probably felt pretty good about, most position groups, um, even without having to see it, you know, on, yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. The offensive issues are, I, I think, pretty self-explanatory at this point. They're going to have to find a, a, a lead back to replace Jalen Warren uh, behind Spencer Sanders. And obviously they're going to have to find numbers, as you referenced in the offensive line. Mike Gundy isn't too, didn't too worried about it because he says there's going to be 25 of those dudes in camp by the time they go to, uh, to practice uh, in August. Okay. Um, so that, that shall be continued, but, Defense is where it's a little more layered, right? Because you're not just looking at replacing uh, guys like Malcolm Rodriguez and, and Devin Harper and uh, you know t- uh, guys in the in the back end who've either left or transferred, um, but you're, you're replacing Knowles. We we alluded to this a little bit ago, and you're trying to uh, get a feel for how Derek Mason's going to adjust, not just to the replacements on on the in terms of the depth chart, but he's essentially. Uh, learning the ways of Noel's assistants. None, you know, none of those main guys went with Jim to, to Columbus, Ohio, right. To the Buckeyes. And so 
it, it was I, I the most interesting session of the spring was Mason's uh, 20 minutes with us in which he not just talked about getting comfortable in Stillwater and with, with Gundy and with his players and coaches, but um, what, how do you put it? De- sort of deconstructing. Yeah. It was interesting. He doesn't want to necessarily revamp what was so successful under Knowles with all those coaches around. And yet there is a, there is a deconstruction and, and fine tuning that, that he alluded to that, uh, that, that sounded, um, sounded very nuanced and, and very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he said he took about like six weeks doing that, like taking, you know, he, he referenced how he, he does this with old cars. He's just a very interesting person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he spent all that time taking the defense apart so he could piece it back together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I never really heard uh, a defensive coordinator talk about that, um, probably because they're like, oh, I don't I don't want people to know what we do. I, I don't know. But uh, he was very open about that process. And you know, making sure that everybody was going to be on the same page because, you know, he talked about, you know, verbiage, you know, just making sure that they were using the same terminology. And, you know, even though he spent all that time doing that, he said, you know, 85% of it's going to be the same. It just, man, that is a lot of work to put in for, for, you know, the outcome to be like that, that similar, but that I think just showed how invested he was in um, just making things run as smoothly as possible and being as efficient as possible, like once it was put back together. So um, I thought that that was really impressive um, because like I said, that's not something that coaches are usually that open um, in talking about. So um, obviously that's gonna pay dividends, you know, once once you get to the season, you know, I think that's a lot of work up front that you have to put in, but um, you know, ultimately I think you're, you're gonna see that that was time well spent. I'll say this, it's easy to see why Mason has a, uh, a reputation for connecting mm-hmm. uh, players, coaches, program, however you want to put it. That was the case at Vanderbilt. It was the case at Stanford before he took the head job at Vandy back when he was uh, uh, coach David Shaw's defensive coordinator and had to coach against the Cowboys once upon a time in the 2011 Fiesta Bowl. So it was interesting. Uh, former OSU defenders, extremely loyal to Jim Knowles. Uh, but the relationship, it was a, it was a t- out of tough love. I mean, Knowles was as, as hard on those guys as any coach at OSU was on any other position, right? The, l- the little bit we got to peek in at practice, that was apparent. I mean, all, the volume from Knowles was a, a way above anybody else on, on the practice field. They, they respected him, I think, as much. I mean, they, they, I'm not saying they didn't like the guy. They liked the guy. But it was respect because out of, born out of performance. They knew yeah. that if they stayed with him, this was going to work and they were going to go places. And they obviously went to, a, to a, a, an amazing place a year ago. I never before reached, uh, at least since Gundy's been the head coach with Mason, you feel that there is a more traditional relationship maybe yeah. between coach and player. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, he kind of uh, referred to the spring as like, um, like they're still in the interview phase, you know, I think both ways, you know, still getting to know each other, but just based on what, um, you know, the players have said about him, like, it seems like they, they respect him already. And he just kind of won them over pretty early on. Um, You know, uh, I think it was Tyler Lacey referred to him as, as a a player's first coach, which, you know, you hear terms like that a lot, but I really feel like that fits him because, you know, I, I do feel like he's somebody who, you know, really wants to get to know um, his players and, um, you know, values that relationship. And I think, you know, with him being, um, 
not assigned to a position group that really helps right. with that. Point. Um, right. I think that, you know, when I think that's difficult sometimes to be a coordinator and, you know, you're coaching the linebackers or whatever. Um, I know it works a lot of the time, but um, I, I really like the concept of, of it not having to be that way and see, you know, what the result is, because you get to know guys from every position group. You spend time during practice with each one, each, each group. So um, I like that. I think that that's going to work out well. Yeah. With OSU football, uh, so much of it is, is tied to um, how Gundy presents himself. I mean, that's no different than any other program when it comes to a head coach, but with, with Mike, it's, <laughs> he takes, takes some interesting directions, shall we say. Uh, depending upon his mood or depending upon the time of year it is. Uh, I'll, I'll just ask any impressions on, on, on the vibe around Gundy uh, from your, from your time just spent holding a recorder in front of him. Yeah, I definitely feel like, um, you know, just in, in, you know, looking back from whenever I was on the beat before that was about a decade ago. And, you know, I think you can expect any person to, to evolve over that time. I certainly have. And I think that he has too. And, just, I think what really has struck me being back around is, you know, how comfortable he is being the face of the program. And I think that that suits him really well, um, just because of, you know, he's, he's spent a good portion of his life in, in the program yeah. and, you know, has been a part of, I, I remember Bill Hasten did the numbers at one point, what percentage of, of program wins Mike Gundy has been involved in as um, a player uh, assistant or head coach. It's pretty staggering. So, um, I definitely feel like he um, is comfortable in that spotlight and he's been in a great mood all of the times that I've been around him. And, you know, despite, you know, having all of the issues that, you know, obviously when you're a coach these days, it's, it's difficult to navigate all, all of the challenges with the portal and NIL and everything that just kind of can be overwhelming. I feel like he has this sort of attitude that, you know, he knows what he's doing and, and, you know, things are going to work out well. So um, I've enjoyed being back around him. He's, he's, um, I, I think as we, we've talked about, he's so good talking about big picture things mm -hmm. because he has a frame of reference that's different from right. people. So anytime like you ask him about something like that isn't related to like day-to-day -day, like coaching or whatever, I think that he's so good um, just because he has, you know, opinions that are, um, I think, usually pretty valid. So I, I think um, he's been good to kind of be back around. Yeah, perspective is is something you you'd like to think you you stock to benefit you if if you've been in the business as long as Gundy has, or been at one school. And it's remarkable how yeah. long his ride has been in Stillwater. And uh, you're starting to see that perspective, and it and it cuts both ways. He's had certainly again, he's had some challenges to say the least along the way but it is it is interesting to hear him look back and, and sort of compare then versus now and lessons learned or, or observations made and and uh I'll, I'll say this i at a time where well we just got a reminder of this when when the villanova basketball coach jay wright decided enough yeah <laughs> 60 years old and uh there was there was uh, that would have seemed preposterous right not long ago yeah. <laughs> uh just as it would have seemed crazy for Bob Stoops to, to call it a career right in his 50s over at Oklahoma and yet because of uh, the like by the second the, the landscape is literally blowing up around us when it comes to college sports uh I think rare is the guy who's who's positioned 
at Gundy's age to sort of ride it out and, and do so yeah. comfortably. But if anyone is, it might be him because of, of how comfortable he does feel. And because, and this comes up almost anytime we, we sort of lend perspective to, to Gundy's career and his arc, um, because he's got an administration now that, that he's yeah. pretty wild about. And he makes, he makes that very public in, in Chad Weiberg and, and uh, Casey Shrum. Yeah, I think that has made a huge difference because there were times, obviously, in the past where it was, it was a bit more, you know, rocky for yeah. him. And I felt like in those moments, it wouldn't have been crazy for him to obviously go somewhere else um, or, you know, just say, you know what, I'm good. I've made plenty of money in my career. I, I, I can, you know, go do, you know, just be a dad and, you know not do this anymore like that wouldn't have surprised me then but now i feel like he's so invested because he sees the university is in equally invested and so um you know i feel like it's a pretty good situation maybe the best situation maybe i don't know how to compare with previous um years or eras yeah. but i feel like things are pretty good right now and i don't know how it could really like realistically be better obviously your facilities could always be better there, there could always be those sorts of things but when you see a university president and athletic director who are like yeah actually we are going to pay you more because um we need to show that uh we have that level of commitment um, and I think that's that's what, you know, Gundy's um, most recent raise was really about. It's not sure. always about the money, um, although money's great. Um, I think just showing that they were on board with with him and with where the program is, because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the the consistency, um, you know, throughout Mike Gundy's time and certainly now with it being a completely different era than it was even a few years ago and still to be able to you know, produce at a high level, I think that's really impressive. And, and that's something that is it's not easy to sustain. Yep. And there is a, a looming pivot point for Gundy OSU and really anyone else uh, in the Big 12 Conference. And that is when Oklahoma and Texas leave right. combined with UCF, Houston, Cincinnati and BYU all coming in. And now it looks like all four are going to be in the, the, the reimagined uh, Big 12 Conference uh, a year earlier than, than, than we thought. Um, We'll see how we'll see what what kind of fork in the road that that creates for Gundy and everyone, but it uh, it sets up well. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for, for, for sure. All in, for all involved, in Stillwater. Okay, Kelly. Before we uh, cut this cut this off, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this weekend. The NFL draft ongoing. Round one was we're taping on Friday. That was last night. Uh, no Cowboys, Sooners, or anyone in the Big Twelve conference off the board. Wow, gosh, that's got to <laughs> change, doesn't it? Um, man, oh man. Specific to OSU, um, and because not just of what he's done in Stillwater, but uh, the fact he's a Wagner guy who a lot of folks around here are very fond of. Um, how do you think this falls for Malcolm Rodriguez this weekend? Man, I, I, you know, may not be a day two thing, but I definitely feel like day three is going to work out pretty well for him. You know, I, I just feel like he has so many things that he brings to the table, not just in terms of ability, but just, you know, really who he is as a person. I, I feel like there's going to be a team that is just going to love to have him. Um, I know there's so many people in Stillwater and Wagner and really just throughout this whole area that are, are rooting for him. And we are, I think, pretty biased. But, you know, I think um, just seeing it kind of remain, r reminds me in a, in a small way about you know, how it was for Zayvon Collins. Like you, yeah. you're aware of someone at the high school level and, and yet they're not getting those opportunities that they probably deserve. And then when they do get an opportunity, they just like 
like making the most of it would be like an understatement. So I, I think um, I think when when that happens, it's kind of like what what you know Malcolm's high school coach told me this week. You know, I don't know how anyone could could count him out after everything he's done to this point. So um, I kind of feel that same way. I think once he gets an opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. You know, people can say, oh, his size, whatever. Um, but I feel like you can't always measure um, mm -hmm. some of the things that, you know, are going to ultimately determine whether someone is going to make it at the next level. Um, I've read a lot about, you know, projections and it's kind of all over the place, but, um, you know, the I think that there's a consensus that once this guy gets on a team, he will have a really good chance of, of making it, you know, making the cuts because of, of what he brings to the table. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and you, you said it well that you get to know someone besides get to know someone a little bit about what a guy's about. And it's it's a little harder to do that on a football uh, beat where you've got 100 dudes to keep track of as opposed right. to basketball when it's, you know, one tenth that. But there are some that 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 obviously stand out. Uh, Collins was like that for you at TU. Um, and you, he was one of many that you covered there with the uh, the hurricane. Rodriguez, yeah, did did uh, sort of sparkle that way uh, with regard to um, not just how he played, but how he carried himself, presented himself. And um, it's okay to root for these guys. You're not supposed to necessarily root for these guys when you're covering them on the uh, college level as, as beat writers or columnists. It's okay, though, to get behind them as they pursue their literal, their, their dreams, right? This is what this yeah. is. About. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it really has struck me in the last few years, you know, um, the first two few years I covered Tulsa, there weren't a lot of guys getting opportunities at the next level. And then, you know, things kind of changed there for a few years. And, and just seeing the guys you covered, you know, for, for their entire college careers, you know, when you're on a beat long enough or you're around a program long enough, you see them come in and see how they develop and you get to know them. And then to see them, you know, get really good exposure leading up to the draft, you know, like what happened with David and, and there, there have been other guys, obviously, but, um, you know, to see that happen and then, you know, just hope for the best for them because sure. you feel like a part of it somehow, even though you aren't really a part of it, like <laughs> you feel like you know them pretty well. And, um, you know, having seen them, some, seen them play throughout their whole career and yeah. you know, overcome, you know, oftentimes injuries and just different things and, and just knowing their stories, um, that's something that I, I don't know is, is, that we really like reflect on it enough, mm -hmm. like just, just how much, um, how enjoyable that can be when you see yeah. them succeed at the next level. And, you know, just like seeing Tyler Smith get drafted by the oh, Dallas yeah. Cowboys in the first round, like that is yeah. incredible. Um, and even though he's, he's someone who is more reserved and I would say that I know him especially well, um, just having covered him during his college career. Um, I just think that that is so cool for him and for his family and, and for to you, but yep. um, you know, those are people that um, yeah, you don't really like find yourself rooting for them until they're at that next stage. But then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think this might work out and, and just, I'm not really an NFL fan in general, but then I find myself watching games because I'm like, oh, Zayvon's playing, I guess we'll play yeah. on, you know, things right. like that. So um, that makes it more enjoyable when when you know the people involved. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens with Rodriguez this weekend. Uh, give Just give, you know, one of those, give the kid a shot and let him take it from there type stories, I think, yeah. uh, in, 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 in the uh, works. Let's, let's put it that way. All right, Kelly. Well, it's good to see you. It's great to have you on the beat. I know OSU fans uh, will look forward to reading your material. 
not just this off season, but obviously when we uh, load back up for football season next fall, should be a very interesting one for the Cowboys for a number of reasons. Uh, it's good to uh, to have you back on the uh, on the grind. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, and football season. I know. I counted down the days. Like I counted up the days on Saturday. It was like 131 days away. I'm like, it seems like it should be more than that because uh, it will be here uh, very soon. Yeah, we'll be in uh, Arlington for the Big 12 Media Day like tomorrow. tomorrow <laughs> it's what, yeah. it's what, yeah. what kind of how that feels. It didn't used to be that way, but this is uh, this is the the new cycle. It's two things. We we're getting older, and the new cycle is getting stronger. All right, yeah. and just yeah. cranking it and cranking it and cranking it. So. All right, we'll do this again soon, um, and we'll talk more about uh, not just OSU football, but basketball and uh, some of the, the spring sports. I know baseball and softball are really going to kick into a higher gear here very soon. Got a pretty important series with the Sooners, do the Cowgirls next yes. week in yes. softball. We should probably, that should be really good. We should probably talk about that a little bit next yes. week. So until then, listen, have fun, folks. Uh, enjoy your weekends, and uh, keep uh, watching us here at TulsaWorld.com. Keep listening uh, via Google, Apple, and Spotify as we continue to give you uh, the best we can offer in terms of uh, podcasts and multimedia uh, global sports journalism dominance. <laughs>